Welcome to Backstory Song. I'm your host, Doug Burke. And today we're here with Blake Christiana of the band Yarn. Blake Christiana is the frontman and songwriter for Yarn, the four-time Grammy-nominated alt-country rock band based in Raleigh, North Carolina. The band relentlessly tours and Blake tells stories, or yarns, based on the trials and tribulations of life in America. Yarn songs often depict the challenges and setbacks of life and the perseverance of the human spirit. I'm here at Backstory Song, and I'm here with Blake Christiana from the band Yarn. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And we're here to talk about the backstory of some of your songs. Before we do that, I was very fascinated by your background that you actually started in Brooklyn and have moved to Raleigh Yeah, and played the famous Kenny's Castaway. Yeah, where Bruce Springsteen and Aerosmith started their careers. and Yeah, and every Monday night for two years. Right at the beginning, before we even had a name, we were playing Kenny's every Monday night. You're like the house band? And- yeah, we would play till, man, like three in the morning, I think. And, and it was, that was a weird street, Bleecker Street. And I think it still is. It's probably even weirder now, but it was just kind of like tourists coming in and out of those clubs, all those music clubs down the street. You know, the Red Lion and the Bitter End and Kenny's and... uh uh, Stella Blues, all these weird places. But yeah, we did every Monday night there. And we, they would just basically, we'd get free liquor. So we would, Tuesday would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a lot of those clubs are gone, including Kenny's. Yeah, Kenny's and, is gone. And, uh, you know, they, they can't afford the rent in Manhattan. And they moved over to Williamsburg and the whole music scene's moved out there. And But we're here to talk about some of your songs. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about... Uh, Abilene's a pretty good story. come on in record in 2010 when i was a kid growing up 
my first introduction to music was my father and his friends sitting around a campfire in Lake George, New York, up in the Adirondack Mountains. And they would always sing this song, and they'd probably sing it three or four times a night. And to this day, it was a song called Abilene. So it was Abilene, Abilene, prettiest town that I'd ever seen. Women there don't treat you me in Abilene. My Abilene, that song, kind of famous. I think uh, Loudermilk did it. A bunch of people did it. I didn't know who did it at the time. I just, it's just a big, vivid memory in my musical past. And so uh, I had a band in New York City before Yarn, and it was called Blake and the Family Dog. So we played in, in this club called The Bag It In, and we did that probably once a week or once a month with this band. And a guy, a Budweiser rep, who would just, you know, bring in the bud for the bar, created this music program for bands like us or bands that, you know, played regularly in New York where he would bring in an engineer and a little portable studio and record a live show and Budweiser would pay for it. And we'd have a free CD to give away at shows, a live CD. And so the guy who did this asked the bartender at the bag and in, hey, who in here would you recommend that plays this club? And he said, us, Blake and the Family Dog. So... We, you know, we got each other's numbers and we eventually talked and I met him down at the Bag It In one afternoon in Greenwich Village on 3rd Street. And so we sat down. I was working a day job at the time. I was on the 40th floor of Madison and um, 42nd Street, a.k.a. hell on earth between the hours of 9 and 7 p.m. Yeah, it was awful. So I took my lunch break and I went down to the Bag It In and I met this guy. His name was Josh Roy Brown. And uh, we started drinking Guinness. We were getting along pretty good, talking about our past and how we were became musicians, I guess. And um, he was a slide player and a songwriter and a really good guitar player. So I start telling him about my father and, and how we would sit around the campfire and I'd listen to him play music. And he goes, oh, that's cool. I go, yeah, and this one particular song, Abilene, he just used to play it all the time. And that just, and then, and Josh is like, no way, man. You're messing with me, man. You're lying to me. You, 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 that wasn't really the song, you, you know, that started you on playing music. And I said, no, what are you talking about? He was like adamant that I was messing with his head. He goes, my father wrote that song. Get out. <laughs> and I'm like, get out of here. He goes, it's the only song he ever wrote. And he said he wrote it in a bathtub in Chicago, I think, or something. And his father's name was Les Brown. So you can, you know find it. I think Loudermilk gets most credit for it, but he actually wrote that song. He's still getting royalty checks <laughs> from ASCAP or BMI. <laughs> so then I never went back to work. We started drinking Jameson. I mean, we were just Guinness and Jameson and just going back and forth. We're lifelong friends. He actually played on the first three or four yarn records. I think he might have played on this song. So after that whole thing happened, you know, I had just started Yarn, I think, at that point. So I had two bands going. But eventually I was like, I got to write my own version of this song, Abilene. Just because all the coincidences, just everything, it was, it was crazy. So that, that's what it was. I mean, the song is about a girl named Abilene who's down on her luck and kind of in the gutter and, and a guy coming along and bringing her out, which doesn't have anything to do with my, you know, Josh Roy Brown or his father. But it's become like a big live staple and we don't play it every night but people request it every night 
it's just funny that that song has carried me through as long as I can remember. And now I play that song, you know, at least two, three times a week. So that's my Abilene story. It's a kind of a coincidental, crazy thing. So was there a girl that you were envisioning or some composite of women that you were thinking uh, you about know, you know, with it, Abilene or was this just made up? It's pretty made up. I think it just came out like, you know, I started playing the chord pattern. It was more of a finger picking beginning intro and the verses just came out of me like that. You know, I know a Texas town, you know. Or whatever the words that bears are. Your name. That bears your name, you know. I love reminding yeah, yeah. you of the, but, your yeah. own lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, the, that's, yeah, the song is about kind of pulling a girl out. Abilene, I don't know if you've ever been to the town, but it's not exactly a... I haven't. Yeah, it's not. Have a, you been there? <laughs> no. You guys not, have been all over the yeah, world. I've been there. I've been to Abilene, but not played there. But it's not a pretty town. Like the song that, that Les Brown wrote, you know, like prettiest town i ever seen. No, no. Not true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty song you wrote about a girl named Abilene. Yeah. <laughs> town, not so much. <laughs> so pretty, this is pretty much a fiction, but with just a good backstory. You write a lot of breakup songs, it seems to me. Yeah, I write a lot of anti-love songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is kind of as far as you go towards like a love <laughs> song in some of your work. Is that right? I mean, Well, no, I wrote one of the most beautiful songs and the, my, one of my most favorite songs I ever wrote is a song called Take Me First. Shine the Light On, which came out in 2013, which is an all-acoustic record. But that's about just love lasting 
forever. And then the, the reason it's called Take Me First is the narrator is like, I, you know, if, if she goes, I got to go right with her or, you know, yeah. don't make me wait too long. So that's the gist of that. And that's inspired by my wife and my parents who are still together and, you know, soulmates forever. So there are a few. So I don't know if you have time, play Take yeah, Me First, yeah, no, because can, that because it talks about, you know, just like... There are a few um, love songs in your repertoire, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're... <laughs> just like George Burns and Gracie Allen, just like Johnny Cash and June Carter too, getting old is a privilege we hold. And I'm so lucky I'm getting old with you, you know? And then the bridge is Take Me First, or at least Spare the Curse of a Long and Lonely Wait. So that's a positive love song with death involved so it's not fully you know it has <laughs> no, to have a little dark you always have punch that, in the gut you that, know? the element of darkness in your but, songs but yeah i wrote that in like 10 minutes and i was like oh someone's gonna record this and make me some money nope nobody <laughs> i always ask the songwriters who come to backstory song if there's a song where you could pick any voice in the world whoever is going to make me the most money. <laughs> no, but if there's a guy who the biggest honor to sing one of my songs, I mean, I would go with Tom Waits or Bruce Springsteen to have one of those guys. I mean, I'd probably make more money if Bruce sang it, but man, it'd be fun to hear Tom Waits sing that arm. love song. Sing, no, not what song would you anything. pick, Tom? What I, song of yours would you pick, Tom? To sing? I have no idea, yeah. man. You know. That would actually be cool to hear him sing that song. Would that be that cool. love song. It would be he, so he dark. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so when you did. Well, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear him sing every song I've written. And I would, that would be amazing. When you wrote Take Me First for your wife and yeah. your parents, when you played it for your wife, like, how did she react? It's like, I like, know. What's not, wrong with you? You're not, writing me a love song now? <laughs> not the first love song. I <laughs> no, wrote no. her a song on an earlier record. Actually, it wound up being on a outtakes record called Leftovers, called Luann. All these lines that wear my face. Read like lifetimes and lonely days. Colors I've seen with the blues and the gray. The southern skies hold no haze, nor the take back to undress me. You're the take me back to undress me. I mean, there's, she's got favorites. 
But that one, yeah, that one. Take, just... take me first when you wrote that. Did you play it for like you know demo style? I wrote, it, wrote in, it in her living room. So I was living part time before I fully moved down to North Carolina. Yeah, so she heard it that day. She probably went to work, and then I was working. And then like, how does she react? Like it's, it's always interesting <laughs> to me, like how. how... Like it's like, well, oh. She's had a lot to do with a lot. She's a songwriter too. Okay. So she's had a lot to do with a lot of my songs and she's written some songs about me. So it's, I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, that's, I can't speak for her, you know, and I know she loves. Does she break down in tears? Did she come over and hug you? Is it like a romantic <laughs> moment? Is of it, course. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It really is. And she, or do yeah. they just go like, I've heard some guys say, you're like, I'm, Nothing happened. I was like, nothing. Oh, no. I mean, we're soulmates. So we just, so we, it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a beautiful thing and it's an everyday love. So, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm trying to think. There's been a number. I mean, the song Fallen on um, This Is The Year. I wrote that for my wife and I made a video of all her old pictures with that song set to it. I, there might have been a tear on that. One. Oh, that's good. that's good. Yeah, but there might have been a tear. I mean, it's, I got the worst memory on the planet. But okay. uh, she definitely loves it. And when she writes about me, I love it too. And when she tells me, she actually gives me great ideas for songs. Sweet Dolly, write a song about a kid seeing Dolly Parton on TV for the first yeah. time. That's uh, She told me to do that. Huh. Uh, you to know, give this, her co-write credit? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I did, but she deserves it. She gets pretty much all credit for everything. <laughs> got it. Got it. So on Abilene, I, I watched the YouTube video and it's like a 13 minute workout jam. Oh, did you see one on, on YouTube or something? Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 We spaced that. We stretched that out live. Yeah. And it's awesome. And yeah. your mandolin player plays... Well, we don't have. He's gone. I now. understand that. Yeah. So I want to ask you about that. Oh wait, you watched something from 2012. Oh, okay, that's probably about when he left the band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in yarn today. Yeah, exactly. But he plays two different mandolins. He was playing an electric and an acoustic. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. the middle of the song, I was like, "That was cool. I haven't seen that every day." And you had a sax in that. Oh, this that's is. Oh, up. this is way. Yeah, this is back in Portland, Oregon. I know what you're talking about. That was. Yeah, that was off the wall. There's a good new version. There's a good one we just recorded a few months ago on in a live show. You Are you still doing it, it that workout style where oh, it's yeah. just like extended jam? We love that here in Park City. Well, we just you, love that kind of extended I'll have to jam. I send you the link for the one that we that got filmed a few months back in Massachusetts. The quality of recording and the it's and, really good. And it's just you and your three bandmates. It's just from the four today. of us. Yeah. yeah. So it gives you more of what what's going on now. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Backstory Song. If you like our podcast, you can become a patron at our Patreon page, where you will receive bonus interview tracks with your favorite songwriters and early release access to upcoming episodes. It is only $3 per month or the price of a cup of coffee to become a Backstory Song patron. Need a new lad in my heart to guide me through the dark. I need a new love in my bed. 
bleeding me to death I need a new place to call home Cause I ain't welcome where I'm from I need a new love in my life She's cutting me like a knife So oh Carolina, won't you rescue my heart I'm begging for a new start I'm crying I won't be snapped to fall To my Carolina heart To my Carolina heart You wanted to talk about Carolina heart Carolina heart, yeah This is another, I mean My wife has a lot to do with this one too, yeah she, um, I was living in Brooklyn and things were getting dire. You know, we were on the road. It was my only job. I was subletting my place when I was gone. There was actually a guy, he was a yarn fan and he needed a place to stay. So I let him sublet my house and he, little did I know he had a really bad drinking problem, <laughs> like really bad. And I had just gotten like a case of Buffalo Trace because they were thinking about sponsoring us. I just always had liquor in the house from people giving it to us. I went out and played Floyd Fest and came back and he had, he had almost drank himself to death. I had to send my buddy over to call the paramedics and so they could save his life. But I had to get out of Brooklyn. You know, I couldn't afford it. I was subletting to these crazy people. Not that Clark was crazy. He had a, a, an alcohol problem and I love that guy. He's since passed away, but... So I was just like, I got to get out of here. And I was had started dating my wife, but I couldn't move to North Carolina. I only had one vehicle and then the band had, you know, the van, everything. So I get an email probably about a year prior to me, like realizing if I don't get out of here, this I can't do the band anymore. You know, I didn't have enough money and all sorts of circumstances. A year prior to that, this woman emailed me and she was a fan and her husband was a fan. And she said, hey, you know, I know how hard it is as a musician. If you need a place to stay, we have a house across the street from us that's vacant. It's on a dairy farm in Pennsylvania, about two hours from New York. And I remembered that email. And I had, and over the course of the year, I'd probably seen her and her husband three or four more times at shows in Pennsylvania. And so I got to know him a little bit. And I was in kind of a situation where I had to go. And so... I emailed her from that email she had sent me. I said, this, does this offer still stand? <laughs> and she said, of course. I said, well, can I come stay there tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I did. And, and, and she said, sure. And I went and I got like an air mattress or something. This is before I moved any real furniture in. And uh, I stayed there for two years. And in that two years... That's quite a tenancy. <laughs> Rent-free. Rent-free. And I'd go over to their house when I was in town, and they would make me dinner and serve me wine and whiskey. It's a good deal. And, I mean, they're family now. Yeah. And they're the most, I mean, just that type of thing happens. It's about as extreme as it gets as far as kindness and opening up everything to somebody who provides them with music, but now we're, we're, we're lifelong friends and family. But so that was my little interlude between Brooklyn and North Carolina. I knew I was eventually going to North Carolina cause I'd 
my wife was there, but she was obviously just my girlfriend at the time. So in that period, I wrote a whole bunch of songs about getting the hell out of New York City and getting down to somewhere that is more accepting or feels more like home. I mean, Brooklyn felt like home for long enough and I was ready to go. And so that song, as much as it's about Carolina, it's about my wife, Mandy, and and just everything in the past and that being the future. And that pretty much is the story behind Carolina art. So you live in Raleigh? I live in Raleigh, yes. And you love it? Well, I, I'm a part-time Raleigh now. We, we, You're on the road so we much? We bought a house in Brevard, my wife and I. We still live in Raleigh because our kids are still... One's going to college, and but both going to college. So we might move out west in the mountains, the, you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains. We got a house out there now, so... But you still have a Carolina heart. We're still Carolina. Because, <laughs> I mean, this is like... But it's more like Park City yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah, to... Yeah, no, uh, I, I get it, but Carolina's got City. a lot of a lot of beautiful places. Um, I do love Raleigh. I don't want to diss Raleigh. I'm just... It's growing so rapidly. I'm in the scale-back mode of my life where I want a smaller town, so... I always ask the songwriters about the yee-hee-woo-woos. So, so, <laughs> yeah. So, how does that come to you? And do you write it down exactly as it comes? Like, how do you write it when you write the song? Or just, is it something you do in the studio? Is it? I can't remember. No, that one was written. I know Bobby, our drummer, sometimes gives me some like, oh, dude, give it a little something. Not, not a word, but, you know, he's good at finding those moments. But that, Carolina Heart, I think that was just, I felt the urge. You know, Bruce Springsteen does that all the time. Like, it's a little, totally. <laughs> So I've done it only, I think, on two tracks. I did it on a song called Bar Down the Road and on Carolina Heart. But yeah, it's really fun to do, I think, is pretty much the only reason I do it. <laughs> I think it could become the theme song for Carolina. It's just, you know, yeah, I, I wish it would. Is yeah, there I, a theme song for Carolina? I, I'm sure there is. What would it be? Carolina Heart. Yeah. There you know, should be. Well, you know, it's funny. They were the license, one of my licensing guys called me and was like, oh, well, we're pitching Carolina Heart for that political show on Showtime, the circus. And I was like, oh, sweet, sweet. I hope it happened. They were doing something about Carolina, I guess maybe the Super Tuesday. And they didn't go with it. They went with a hip hop song, but uh, maybe it'll get there someday. I don't know. The song isn't distinctively North Carolina or South Carolina. Is it can it? be either one. It could be either one, right? But I do love Charleston. I love South Carolina too. Your Carolina heart is either it's, North or South. For me, it's there. But for anybody listening, whatever you want it to be. Walking back from the old soup kitchen down on Main. 
what harm could it do? My mama's back was broke already anyway. Well, this may come as no surprise. The next day, my mama died in that slide. So blue, I say. Let's talk about hard times. Hard times. That's just a fun one because I wrote that when me and my wife bought our first house. And it was in a semi-questionable neighborhood, you know. It bordered a little sketchiness. But I'm a musician. What else can I afford? <laughs> you know? We bought this house. We're all excited. And we close and we go and... You know, we start moving our stuff and we're like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then I'm walking around the house and some guy, like, must have within the last week, you know, since I'd last been there, tagged it with like a graffiti, you know, whatever his tag sign was. I was like, oh, no, I was so depressed. I went to Lowe's or Home Depot and I was like, what do I, what is there to get paint off a brick? You know, this is brick, just plain brick. You know, you can't paint over it because... And then I got this stuff called oops, I'm spraying it, I'm scrubbing it. I'm like super depressed. And I'm like, ah, oh, it didn't work. All it did was move the paint around, you know, shoved it around all over the brick. So I just gave up, walked inside and thought, well, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. This, this is not a good neighborhood. I shouldn't have done this. And then I sat down and then a black cat walked right up these three, three big windows in my living room. Black cat just walked right in front of house. I was like, yeah, this isn't good. So I was like, well, I'm going to write a song. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm depressed. I got buyer's remorse, like nobody's business. And so I wrote this song, Hard Times, which starts with... This is a song about luck. No luck at all. This is like, no, it's like bad luck and good luck. It's like every sort of superstitious thing well, yeah, is in this song. Exactly. That, yeah, like but, yeah. luck, luck, you know... <laughs> Lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. That's the second verse. But the first verse is all about bad luck. You're right. You're Everything right. bad <laughs> that could possibly happen from a lucky standpoint. You feel like this, this guy is doomed. Yes, he is doomed. But that's how I felt, obviously. It's fiction, nonfiction, however you want to see it. But And I also just ripped off, you know, uh, Albert King. What's the song? If, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no, no luck, luck at, at all. all. Yeah, yeah, no, there's yeah, definitely yeah. that reference. Yours is a little different, <laughs> yeah, though. Mine's, if, if it weren't for hard times, I've had no, I'd have no time at all or yeah. something. <laughs> so, but it just seemed perfect. I was born under a bad sign is the song I was ripping off there. But, I mean, obviously it sounds nothing like it. That was just a lyrical. I, I won't step on a crack again after <laughs> this. I mean, <laughs> like, that's all that line came to me. I loved it, man. Stepped um, on a few cracks. Walking back from the old soup kitchen down on Main. Figured what harm <laughs> could it do? My mama's back was broke already. <laughs> anyway. Did Next you break day. your mother's back growing no, up? Were you a good kid? Or you... I know I was not a good teenager. I, yeah, I was a bad one. 
I've been a good son since. Yeah, I was a pain in the ass, man. I owe them a, a several apologies, but they stuck with me. They loved the whole music thing. They're, they're on my side. Backstory Song's mission is to help songwriters and their work get found and discovered so they can make a living and keep on creating great songs. The best way to pay a songwriter is to listen to their songs. Unfortunately, with the decline of radio listeners, songwriters who live off royalties do not make the same royalties they used to. Please help out the Backstory songwriters by listening to their songs on our playlist. Share Backstory song episodes with your friends on your social media and encourage them to do the same. By liking and sharing Backstory song on your social media, you'll be helping the songwriters on this podcast. My demon is alcohol, my demon is drugs, my demon is women and everything I love. Oh my, heaven is absent, destiny's in jail, my life is stuck in neutral. Is this purgatory ring? Is this purgatory ring? Is this purgatory ring? Is this purgatory ring? So where'd you find the lyrics for these? We have some lyrics on our website. Yes, your, your site's very good, by the way. So okay. that's where you get a B plus on your site. You, have, you can listen yeah. to your entire catalog, catalog exactly on on your website, which yes. is really fun to do. Yeah, uh, and it's album by album. And yep. It's, Really nice with a little bit of a write-up, not by, done by you, but done by uh, yeah, independent reviewers. critics yeah, yeah, yeah. of your albums. We is... weed out the bad ones and put the good one up. <laughs> <laughs> if I like the song Bad Bad Man. Bad Bad it? Man, I wrote that with my buddy Shane Spaulding. I mean, he's probably more so the lyric writer on that song. When we first started this band, me and him would just sit around. He had notebooks and notebooks, and I would go through his notebooks. And sometimes not one lyric would remain the same. Like we'd write the melody, and I'd have his lyrics. His lyrics were so filthy. Like he would say anything. To, I'd be like, Shane, we can't say this. We're trying to, you know, at You're least. trying to get on radio. We're trying to at, <laughs> or at least, least Spotify. Something like, sell. I mean, without the explicit Spotify, tag but, next to you. <laughs> but as, I mean, it was just bad, you know? So like bad, bad man. I mean, and he was just a bit drug addict and a raging alcoholic and really had a whole lot of self-hatred. So, you know, my demon is alcohol. My demon is drugs. It's a very violent and just self. Confessional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but. Uh, you know, he's not that guy. He's that bad, bad man is fictional, but that's how he sees himself. He's a little 120 pound ginger and the sweetest guy you'll ever know. Oh, you so know? he's like, not a bad man. He's man. not a bad, bad man, but that's how he sees himself and definitely saw himself at that time, you know.
We've been rotting in bars looking out at the cars as they come barreling through. And they're wise not to stop because it don't take a lot to get his talents in you. I've written a lot of songs about Schenectady. Bar Down the Road is about Schenectady. After I moved back there for a few years before I moved to, actually moved out west to Arizona, and then I moved to New York City. But I sat in a bar. The name of the bar was the Manhattan Exchange. And, you know, it was just crazy. We just, there were us who were in our, like, mid to late 20s. And then there were the people that had been there, you know, late forties, late fifties, and they're just they been sitting there forever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then everybody's back saying, oh, when there was smoke in the bar. Or, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. We were all smoking in the bar, and even when I lived in New York, we were smoking in the bars. But um, that happened while I lived there. We stopped that. But yeah, it's just like so. Bar down the road was about the Manhattan Exchange. It's like all these guys and girls just. Sometimes they would talk about what they were going to do, but they never did a damn thing, you know? So it was the, how they were going to get out. <laughs> yeah, how they were going to get out. What they were, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that, man. Nobody did shit. Well, you guys got out. <laughs> you guys tour so much, right? Yeah. How? Well, I mean, I, I got out by moving to New York City. You know, I yeah. was like, I got to get out of here. And I'm glad I did. I actually moved to New York the summer before September 11th and it just beat me up and I moved back. I actually went to Lake George and painted my parents' cabin. And then I was like, I got to go back. I can't let it beat me. So I went back right before September 11th. And then I think I went back in August. Did you write any songs about that? I wrote a song just a few months ago and I haven't done anything with it. And uh, I was there. I mean, I was in Union Square when the, Second plane hit. So, the name of the uh, the uh, September 11th song is called "I Was There." It's yeah, I haven't gotten there yet, and I don't know if this is the song that I wrote is quite right, but eventually. Boy, it takes a while to process that, doesn't it? <laughs> I went down to the, the and saw the gym is really for the first time this year, and that was pretty heavy. Because and then I actually found a roll of film. Just a few months ago at my parents' house, I was like, what is My parents had a box of my, my shit in it. And I saw these pictures when you had to actually get pictures developed, you know. Yeah. And I'm looking through them. I'm like, what the hell is this? I just see a New York City taxi cab. I see a couple of bills. And then I realize I'm taking pictures of the towers on fire. <laughs> and then I'm taking pictures when they're coming down, <sighs> you know. But I'm working on that, too. Yeah, that's a hard one. You know, sometimes, how do you know when a song is done? 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm a pretty lazy songwriter, so sometimes I'll just sing the second verse twice <laughs> <laughs> and say I'm done. Yeah, I, it evolves. I try to finish it. You know, once I finished the third verse or the bridge or whatever, I don't really go back and make too many changes. So you don't obsess about yourself. I don't. One, two, three, four. City found that was just me walking around New York, you know. I guess I was kind of thinking about when I had first moved there. It was a lot of fun, and, and I was discovering the city and the village. And I even referenced the Baggin Inn, which my old band used to play at. And you know, Bleecker Street, how much it has changed, you know. There was Dylan and Paul Simon and Lou Reed down there in the real days 60s, and in my day it was you know not very good <laughs> it was yarn it was yarn i mean it was, it was blake, and, blake the and the family dog, dog. but yeah but you know I, I guess we knew musicians down there i wasn't it would have been cool to have like a scene which there was it just never really became anything so Kind of sad because it was such a scene for me growing up. That's yeah, and I think maybe there were just different towns where the scene was happening. It wasn't when we were there. (laughs) But we got out. We got out. So you don't think of yourselves as a New York band in any way, shape, or form. It's not a New York sound. I mean, how would you describe your sound? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess we think of ourselves as a New York band. I mean, we that's where we cut our teeth. That's what we did. I mean, what was the amazing thing about New York is you would book a show. The promoter, whoever booked you, said you can't book a show three weeks in prior to this until three weeks after this. You know, you got to give us time to promote the show, sell tickets to your friends. You know, it was all about getting your friends and family in so they can make a dollar at the bar, take half your money at the door, and do it every 45 minutes. I hated that whole model. That model pissed me off. So I would just book gigs four or five days a week didn't give a shit so our name was everywhere you so know you like could see it, yarn in every, any day of the week play, any day of the week in brooklyn or manhattan i don't think we ever played any other any of the other um, boroughs. boroughs but yeah and it would just you know people like oh yeah eventually be like i know yarn. you just see our name on the chalkboard outside so everybody knew how we were and we had a pretty good presence in new york you know early on but then everybody moves out and nobody knows who yarn is anymore Everybody grows up, has kids, moves to the suburbs. So now we still play New York. We'll be there next month. But it's changed. A forever changing city, revolving doors. That that is New York City, you know. But we consider ourselves a New York band. But we more so just 
consider ourselves a road band. Lots of friends, lots of towns, lots of new family. Good. Well, Bray Christiana, it's really been a, a pleasure. What a pleasure talking to you. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's going to piss off our producer. Right? Wyatt. Wyatt. <laughs> Wyatt. Sorry, Wyatt. Sorry about the band playing downstairs. They're just sound checking. And uh, thanks for going mobile. <laughs>